This is the Prayer Culture Podcast, where we talk about building prayer into the lives of Bible-centric churches and individuals. I'm your host, Michael Green. I have a background in missions to the Islamic world, as well as being the founding member of Thuramor, a ministry that is dedicated to developing a deep culture of prayer within local churches and communities. My co-host, Patrick Rowe, is a board member of Thuramor, as well as being a longtime church planner in the greater Houston area and Thailand. This is the Prayer Culture Podcast. All right, we're back for uh, another episode. Uh, So we uh, are talking right now just about uh, the sovereignty of God and how that relates to praying with faith. And so, Patrick, I just want you to kind of open up, talk a little bit about how you feel about praying with confidence, expectation of faith, but also believing in the sovereignty of God. You're right. So, so the reason it's a question at all, because it, you could view that as like, why is that even a question? Because it, you, you could say, well, if God is sovereign, then of course we're praying to him because he's the one who can do something. You know, <laughs> He's got all this power. He has yeah. all this authority. And that's what it means for him to be sovereign. He has all the power and all the authority. So he can do whatever he wants. The Lord is in the heavens. He does as he pleases. You know, um, So it could be easy for somebody to say, why is that even a question? But you can, you can get into a space theologically. There, there are believers who are in a space theologically where it's hard for them to reconcile God's sovereignty and our call to pray because they would say, well, if God is sovereign, then that means he's going to, he can do whatever he wants. He's going to do whatever he wants. He already knows what he wants and he already knows what he's going to do. So me praying feels moot. You know, I hate saying that word by the way, but uh, it, it feels pointless. It feels like what, why am I going to try to ask God for something, ask him to do something or not do something or whatever when he's already made up his mind? So then there's the question of, you know, how, how do we reconcile the idea of God as sovereign and where we should pray? Uh, so for me, um, I mean, early in the days of kind of discovering the sovereignty of God, um, which, you know, I'm sure I grew up in church and that was an idea, you know, but I wasn't absorbing it. And so being really starting at age 17, starting to actually follow Jesus, you know, and, and learn who the Lord is, um, uh, within a few years, you know, I, I felt like I was caught up in this big Calvinistic surge that was happening in the church, which again, probably wasn't a surge. It just felt like a surge to me. <laughs> oh yeah. We all think whatever we're experiencing, sure. it's like the first time it's ever happened. But, um, but I felt like there was a surge of Calvinistic thinking and a very, very high view of God's sovereignty, which is good. It's good because he is sovereign. He is most high God and he is sovereign. But along with that comes some obstacles. If you're using human logic and you're not just so you know, that surge, yeah. my friend calls it the, um, the hipster Calvinist. Oh, the hipster yeah. Calvinist. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I remember it being called that every new Calvinist needed a cage phase, you know, where you just have to lock them up for a little bit because they're going to hurt everybody's feelings and whatever. So, yeah. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm not an aggressive person, so I don't think I like destroyed anybody, but I, but I was definitely trying to reconcile the idea that God is sovereign, he's in the heavens, he does all that he pleases, Yeah, and we're supposed to pray, we're supposed to ask him for things, or that somehow I could affect 
the heart of God or something. And so if you're using human logic, you can't do a very good job of reconciling those things, you know. But if you're just depending on Scripture, then you have this very broad scope of experiences and lessons and commands that would lead you to think, I have to pray. I have to pray, not only because God told me to, not only because it's important to him, but because, scripturally speaking, things happen when you pray that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't prayed, which is a mind-melting concept. Human beings are never going to just be like, oh, right, sure. You know, we're we're always going to be kind of like, what about that? issue but for me that's that's the point that i'm i'm just trying to depend on the scriptures completely and not my own human thinking my human my my logic can lead me down a road that makes it feel like either god's not sovereign or it's there's no point in praying yeah so that that's the journey that i'm on with those two very rich very powerful biblical ideas is being content that they're reconciled in God. Right. Whether or not they're reconciled in my mind completely, logically, or whatever, that I can grasp all that, you know? Yeah. But they're reconciled in God, apparently, you know? Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> Did I sound so Texan just then? <laughs> I catch myself yeah. sometimes. Uh, apparently, they are reconciled in the heart of God. because, And here's why. So, they're, like... If I can just monologue for a bit. Yeah. So there's a couple of scriptures that have really hit me hard on this. Um, and and the reason they hit me hard is because they're coming from Paul, who wrote Romans 9. Right. And Romans 9 is the big Calvinistic, you know, I'll harden whom I'll harden, I'll show mercy to whom I'll show mercy. And if you just isolate Romans 9, you get this kind of stoic, hard God who's just already predetermined everything. And there's no way around it. And it doesn't even matter what you want or what you feel or what you ask for. None of it matters. He's just going to do what he's going to do. You know, uh, that's not really the essence of Romans 9. But again, as a human person, you could isolate it and you could get there. And people sure. do. But for me, the same guy who wrote Romans 9, seeing other things that he wrote and experiences he had is so key. And so I think of... Uh, Philippians chapter one, he writes to Philippi, I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. He's talking about his imprisonment. I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ. So in Paul's mind, he thought, I need people to pray. If you're praying, this can turn out for my deliverance. Right. If you're not praying, I'm I'm not sure what will happen. You know, like he would still have the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, which is helpful, you know, but, there, but in Paul's mind, he, it was the help of the spirit and it was the prayers right. of the saints in Philippi that was going to cause it to turn out for his deliverance. Yeah. It mattered that they prayed to right. me. That's what I'm hearing from Paul. It matters that you're praying. And then in Colossians chapter four, He's saying, pray for us that a door would be opened for us to proclaim the mystery of Christ, to make it clear as it ought to be. So then again, you have Paul saying, please pray that we would have an opportunity to make the gospel clear and that we would 
make it clear. And so it was important to Paul that they were praying. He thought, if you're praying, then we can have an opportunity. Not that they couldn't have an opportunity to part from prayers, but it would have an effect. Yeah. Otherwise, why would he ask them? Why would he encourage Philippi that their prayers are going to help it turn out for his deliverance? Why would he tell the Colossians, uh, you know, please pray unless Paul thought it mattered? Right. If you don't pray, it may not happen. If you do pray, we believe it'll happen. Sure. If you just take that on its face from the same guy who wrote Romans 9, then this very high view of God's sovereignty and his freedom to do what he wants. He's got all the power, all the authority. He can do whatever he pleases. And he's saying it really matters that you pray because you asking God might move God to do what we need him to do. Yeah. And so that that's where I'm at with those ideas. Just sure. if they're reconciled in God, then that's good enough for me. Yeah. I mean, that's like, Jesus said that too, right? Luke 18 is one of the most astounding passages I can think of on this topic where Jesus tells a parable about a persistent widow before mm-hmm. a judge. And he says that so it, it, they, it says specifically in the scripture that that passage was so the disciples would persist in prayer. Yeah. It's like, they wouldn't lose heart. Yeah. Up. They wouldn't yeah. lose heart. They keep praying. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so Jesus says to persist in prayer, to be like a widow who goes before the judge over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> and so it makes a difference um, to God when we do that. And then you have clear examples in scripture, like Moses going before God and saying, Hey, see this Abraham, like these great persistent people saying, Hey God, what about this? And so, and I think it's because of what you said something about this, but it's because God wants to have partnership. Yeah, It's one of the most mind blowing things for us is God desires partnership with us, even though he doesn't need it. Mm. And that's something that we struggle to understand because we always partner with people because we need them or partner with something because yeah. we need it. Yeah. I need love. So I get married because I need it. Mm-hmm. Um, God is perfectly and completely fulfilled without it, mm-hmm. but he still greatly desires that partnership. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. It's just what he's like. <laughs> that's what he's like. It's just what he's like. And it's, yeah. n- we're not like that. So we have trouble reconciling that. Mm. So like for me, a great way to think about it. So, okay, I need to be persistent like that. Would it go before God? And so it kind of plays out two ways in terms of confidence. Mm. Cause like moving into the realm of the confidence area, when I pray for something, how can I be confident that it is God's will? Mm. And so I think about it in twofold. First it's, well, there is the, the desired general will of God. It's clear, like God wants lost people to get saved. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, in general, I should be praying for lost people yeah. um, and praying for my lost relatives, stuff like that. That's a, a universal. There are universals like that that should be the rule. Hey, we, we pray for these things. Mm-hmm. But then more specifically, when it comes to like, God is going to do this thing. Right. I think when we abide with Christ he will reveal things more specifically, Mm. like really pray into this thing. Mm. So for me, and sometimes it's more that sometimes it's more like something emotionally hits home with me. So a missionary friend reached out to me recently 
and he's going through a very similar, um, just devastating life circumstance that was similar to mine. <laughs> and I felt like the Lord wants me to really pray into that. And part of that's because I've been through that. I understand what it's like, and I have great um, empathy for where he's at. Uh, I'm just totally wrecked for him. And so that leads me to pray mm -hmm. desperately for him. Um, but in terms of like, God's going to do something, mm -hmm. it's Lord, what do you want to do for this person? Like with healing, healing's a great one where it's healing is so hard for me to, oh, I, know. I have so little faith, Lord, give me more faith, but it's like, okay, do you want to heal this person? Mm. Okay. I have the Holy spirit inside of me, right? Mm -hmm. So I can have confidence that God is going to help me understand what he wants to do in somebody. If I wait on him, mm. if I don't go in guns a blazing without talking to him about it first, like right. be healed, you know, and knock him over. But like, Lord, what do you want to do yeah, yeah. in this person's life and mm -hmm. wait for him to respond? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Confidence is, that's a, that's hard, man. It's hard to figure out where we land on that. Like, our, of course, we should have confidence in the Lord. Yeah. And maybe that's just the end of it. You know, it's just your confidence is in the Lord, in His character, in His nature, His promises. You know, but but when you get, like you mentioned, you get into that territory of things that God has not promised, but we believe may be pleasing to Him, um, then it leaves you with this feeling of, I... I need to know from the Lord what he wants. And if I'm, you know, I'm searching scripture like crazy, but it's about like whether or not this person in front of me will be healed of something. Just as an example, you know, you can't flip to a page of scripture and find that person's name and yeah. the ailment they have and whether or not God desires to heal it or will or or whatever, or when, you know, you, you don't have a scripture. So where you don't have scripture to rely on uh, for some very specific thing, it just leaves you in this place where we need discernment. And as you said, we have the Holy Spirit. And one of the things the Spirit does give, you know, is discernment. He can help us to know things we wouldn't otherwise know apart from supernatural revelation. And I know, I mean, I know people who have just gotten this overwhelming sense about God's desire to do something. And so they kind of, they prayed into that or they lived into that and it happened, you know, and uh, they believed the Lord for it. So the Lord was clearly giving them a, a very clear sense. He was revealing to them something they couldn't have known. And it turns out it was right. Sure. The, the struggle of course for us is human beings were like, am I hearing? Is right. that really from the spirit? You know, and that's where the confidence issue comes in. Is that it's the confidence in my ability to hear, sure, my ability to understand. So then, you know, it just really it circles back around to like, well, I can't put confidence in myself, but yeah. I can put confidence in the Lord. Yeah, and then he, of course, he has the ability to do whatever he wants. Yeah, and he has the ability to tell me about it. So learning how to hear from him, I think, just becomes so. Keep. It's so imperative. And I think we're going to do another podcast about that subject, but like a lot of it has to do with posture. Like 
am I going and asking God for this, expecting him not to do it? Because for the longest time, that was totally my posture. I didn't understand it was, but because of my view of the sovereignty of God, oh, God's going to do whatever he wants, but I didn't really think he was going to do it. Mm -hmm. That was the point was I didn't go with him with any expectancy. Yeah. I expected God not to do it, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Yeah. Um, And so God started to teach me like, do you believe I want to do something? Mm. And do you have the maturity to accept my will if I say no? Like, I do need the maturity to accept his will if he says no. And I also, you know, at times I'm going to have to ask the Lord, like, does this person I'm praying over have maturity also? Like, where are we at with this? Mm. And that's going to influence how I pray for them. Mm. Um, Especially in when I say things like, but your will be done. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm, if I'm around mature enough people, I'm believing like these people believe God's will will be done. Yeah. It doesn't have to say that. I don't have to say it every time to disclaimer it. Yeah. You don't have to (laughs) say every time. It's do you go into it believing God wants to do something? Yeah. Yeah. He loves this person. He cares about the fact that they're sick. Mm. Um, And he may give a thorn in the flesh answer Mm -hmm. because that's better for them. I don't know for sure that, but I'm praying into it. But I do think as God gives us discernment, he will help us understand like, I really want to heal this person. Mm-hmm. And so you pray with so much confidence that God is going to do that thing. Mm-hmm. And um, and if he doesn't, well, keep praying for it. Sure. Maybe it's a few years down the road. Keep praying into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, then move forward from there with just being confident and trusting him as you go forward. Mm-hmm. But don't pray with a lack of faith or a lack of confidence like, oh, God's not really going to do this. Right, right. As if it's just not something he would do. Right, and that then isn't that the problem that we find in ourselves is if you face disappointment and those kinds of things, then you can have this attitude even as you pray for something, you feel like this is really not something God does. It's like it's not something that we even, as you said, you know, we don't, we're not even really expecting Him to do it. It's just kind of our dutiful responsibility to pray. You know, we just check the box. Okay, we prayed, we cared. Right. You can't accuse me of not caring or something. Right, right. And if your website says you're a praying church, then you know, <laughs> you're going to have to live up to it. Yeah. But as you're praying, do you even really believe this is this is something that God would love to do? Sure. And whether or not he will do it, we trust him. You know, as you said, there, there may be answers that are better that we just don't understand. Right. So, man, one story that I think of uh, Sam Storms tells a story about, I think it was a child even. I mean, it was like the scariest possible circumstance to feel totally confident about healing. Yeah, yeah. Like a child who was desperately sick, you know, and they were praying, the elders were praying for the kid. And as he was walking out of the room, he just, he just said he just suddenly knew that God was going to heal this kid. He just knew it. And so he just declared it, you know, right, right. like it's like, it's done, you know, like you're, you're going to be healed. Like it's done, you know, that's like, awesome. And he said, somebody even got mad at him. Like you said, we would never say that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, but it was like, it was different for him. Right. That moment was different for him than he had experienced before where there was this, this overwhelming supernatural kind of knowledge that came to him about it being done, which I'm, I'm sure I've had at times, but maybe not in a situation like that, yeah. you know? Uh, so that, I mean, to be honest, that kind of, if we're being real, you know, with each other, with, with anyone who's listening, that's a scary situation. It is. 
when even if I were so to be scary. asking God, please tell me what you want, if he was to tell me what he wanted, I would be afraid to embrace it. I'd be afraid to say it out loud, even right. if I felt like I knew, you know? So that's that's the point where I guess it just it's about maturity, it's about discernment, it is about a confidence in the Lord, but then also in in the Lord's ability to communicate with me about what he might yeah. want to do, you know? It's, do I really believe he could reveal something to me? Absolutely. It's all in there, man. Yeah. Well, and you have to create a space for it too. I think mm-hmm. that's what our time at church, we were talking about recently, but our time after we talk about the word um, is, is like, hey, we're going to facilitate a space together for mm-hmm. God to speak and do stuff. Mm-hmm. And he has many times. Um, I mean, he's given words that were like very spot on. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, I think he's starting to give more confidence. So making sure in your own personal time and then in your time together with believers, you're making space for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we just, we drown God's voice out with everything else we're doing a lot. And uh, we just, we we need that. Yeah. And I think it's probably the easiest thing for me to do is I find myself drowning out his voice and it's hard to hear him because all I'm doing is thinking about what I want him to do. And yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, it's like, I'm going, that's what you want to do, right? That's what you want to do, right? And like, <laughs> just be quiet. Maybe he would, maybe I'll tell you if you just be quiet, you know? So learning to be quiet and listen, which it goes back to what you said, posture, yeah. a posture of humility confidence in the Lord, expectation. Yeah. I'm asking him for things that I'm looking at the scriptures and he's done before, or, you know, he says he loves, you know, so I'm, I know he's not going to chastise me for asking for this. I know I'm not wrong for asking for it. So then yeah. you ask with confidence, you know, sure. this is the kind of thing God would love to do. So whether or not he does it, you know, we need maturity to accept the answer, but yeah, it, it can feel like a minefield though. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's God we're talking about. So yeah. it's like, and people's feelings yeah. and their bodies, their lives. I mean, it's right. You know, it can feel like a minefield if we're being honest and it, it really does require such dependence on the Lord and humility uh, to not just be a wrecking ball, you know, right? a super zealous wrecking ball, you know, you yeah. can be that way. Absolutely. So our confidence has to be really grounded in which, you know, comes back to God's sovereignty. If we're confident in ourselves, we're going to hurt people, you know, but if we're confident in the Lord and what he can do and who he is and his desire to communicate with us, his desire to answer us, then I think we're in a safe place. You know, we can have confidence there without coming off like a wrecking ball. Yeah. That, it just reminds me, there was uh, a prayer ministry and the person who started it, they had a, uh, an encounter with the Lord where it was like, hey, you're going to do this prayer ministry, but you have to remain humble or it will crumble. Mm-hmm. And it was like... And that rhymes, so you know it's from the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> not, I don't remember exactly how he worded it, but it was like, and this is a prayer ministry that's become extremely successful, but every time it becomes successful, they're like, hey, we need to stop. We have this big program we've been doing that everybody wants to come to, but we're not going to do that anymore because mm-hmm. it's taking away mm-hmm. from the purpose. Yeah. Uh, and so having that humility to like go, okay, what's the purpose? What are we called to? We're not called to be famous. We're not called to do it in a way that looks great in the eyes of men, but mm-hmm. like, okay, what does God want to do right now for this person? What mm-hmm. does he want to do for this person? Stop, ask him, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. 
what's going to edify this person, what's going to glorify you in this person mm-hmm. uh, or that person. And, um, and he'll do it. Yeah. But he wants us to ask. Right. And that's, that's something that I think, <clears throat> you know, asking God questions is something that I really didn't start even doing until a few years ago. Although I just in a private moment with the Lord, you know, it was like, I just felt like I'm not even asking him. I'm just keep hypothesizing and hoping that <laughs> one of my hypotheses will suddenly I'll feel like, Ooh, Oh, that one feels right. Right. You know? right. <laughs> but just asking him, what do you want to do? You know, or do you, would you love this? Would this please you? Sure. And, and stop, just keep, you know, hypothesizing and asking God, which, you know, like I'm giving him a multiple choice question. Right. Which one of these is the thing that you're going to do? And he's like, stop, it's none <laughs> of that. It's so much better than that. Right. I'm sure that's what he would be saying most of the time. You don't even know how good this could be. <laughs> just be quiet. Let me, let me ask you one more question. Um, so in terms of when you're praying, and you're like, hey, I want to cap this off. How do you go about releasing it to the Lord? Like, instead of maybe just um, um, we're disclaimering everything with your will be done, uh-huh. Jesus clearly talks about that. He prays your will be done mm-hmm. as well as prays with confidence and faith. Mm-hmm. So how do you kind of do that part of your prayer? I mean, I, it's not much different from that, but I, but the thing, the kinds of things I normally say is just an expression of our trust in who God is. That's what it comes down to. Okay. It's like, like Jesus, you're the one we're asking and we know you and we know we can trust you. So we're just committing this to you. We're leaving it with you. And, and you know, that, that's not really any different than saying thy will be done. Yeah. But that phrase maybe sometimes can ring a bit hollow for some people, you know, it feels like a disclaimer. Like it's white noise or something. Like yeah. That. Or it's just a cop out. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, I covered myself, you know, it's, it feels like fine print, but it's not really when it's yeah. sincere. It could be, if it was insincere, you could be saying that because you didn't really believe God was going to do it sure. anyway. And now, you know, you're not going to wreck this person's faith if you put a disclaimer on it, which is terrible, you know? We should just be real by in in the moment with the person that you're praying for. And I'm we're describing a context where we're like praying for somebody, I guess, but yeah. But uh to instead of just like covering yourself, you know, or trying to make sure this person doesn't get too disappointed with God's answer, in the midst of your prayers, why not express all this confidence in God that he could he may have a better answer than we even know to ask for. Right. He may have something in mind that's better for us eternally than we would we could even see coming, you know, in this life or eternally or whatever. I mean, so I think taking the time to express those things is really good. It's not a it's not just slapping a bumper sticker on it. Yeah, that will be done. It's it's an expression to God of our trust in him. Right. And even inviting the person to express their trust in him, you know. Amen. I love that. Well, thanks for talking about it today, Patrick. I really enjoyed this conversation and we'll see you next time.